Welcome to the Exit Coach Radio Show, the show for baby boomer business owners who are looking for cutting-edge information as they plan their 3- to 10-year business succession and exit. Every week, we interview top professional advisors for their best tips, strategies, and precautions so you can be well-planned. And don't miss our one-minute Exit Coach Tip of the Day on ExitCoachRadio.com. And now, here's your host, the Exit Coach, Bill Black. Thanks for joining us. It's a pleasure to have you with us. You're really going to enjoy this next interview. Uh, before we get into that, I want to tell you what we've been doing here at ExitCoachRadio.com. Um, we put together the audio library where you can go and listen to over 750 20-minute interviews and about that many one-minute highlights while you drive, while you are exercising from your smartphone or your tablet. Go to ExitCoachRadio.com and click on the audio library and you'll find 12 different topics and you can go deep on any of those topics and listen to advisors, authors, and thought leaders and really get to know uh, what their best tips, ideas, and precautions are. I hope you'll join us there. My next guest is John Bly. He's been with us before. John is from LBA Haynes Strand PLLC. Uh, he's the managing partner of that firm in Matthews, North Carolina. And uh, John is, again, the co-managing member of a North Carolina accounting firm, and uh, his entrepreneurial leadership and strategic plan to grow organically and through mergers and acquisitions has propelled his firm's growth. LBA Haynes Strand has been named to the Inc. 5000 list and the Charlotte Business Journal's Fast 50 list. Uh, it's a pleasure to have him back on. We're going to talk about how to prepare for a sale, um, uh, what, what's going on in the M&A market overall. So, John, welcome back. Thanks again for joining. Pleasure to have you back on the show. Bill, I'm excited to be back, and uh, thanks for having me again, and look forward to sharing, hopefully, some knowledge and some recent trends uh, with your listeners. Love to hear trends. Uh, there's there's a lot going on. We're, you know, we're we're looking at uh, a lot of baby boomer business owners who are thinking about um, the their their second American dream. Their first was to start their business. Second one is to get the heck out of it <laughs> and, uh, and and live to tell about it. So uh, tell us a little bit about uh, congratulations, by the way, to your firm uh, for being named to the Inc. 5000 list. Uh, uh, what was that? Uh, what what drove you to that uh, growth, and uh, and how did you get there? Yeah, sure. Uh, thank you very much. It's a it, it's it's exciting. It's our second year in a row being named to it, and um, you know it's been it's been a combination of organic growth and also a combination of inorganic growth. Uh, we had a our latest merger about 12 months ago um, almost doubled us in size, and uh, so now we've got about 65, 70 people uh, on on the team. And so for us, it's been a it's been a constant strategy to grow through, you know, marketing and sales, but to use the third leg of that stool, which is acquisitions or mergers, and use those. And so we've done 11 of our own now in the last 11 years. Wow, that's incredible. Now, of course, we you know it's. Uh, business succession exit planning isn't just for uh, manufacturing and service businesses. Uh, a, a lot of professional firms are, are they're getting to that age and wondering, you know, I'm a, maybe a solo practitioner or a small practitioner. I don't know what my exit strategy is going to be. So are you actively looking for uh, solo practitioners and smaller firms who are saying, I guess my exit's going to be to roll up into, into LBA Haynes Strand? Yes, yeah, we definitely are, and and you know it's it's funny that the baby boomers are affected in every industry, right? I mean, it's not a 
there's no industry that probably except for maybe software as a service that that isn't affected significantly by the baby boomer trend ours is no different um, the, the average age of a CPA right now in the U.S., I believe, is 59 years old as of the latest data I've seen. So if that's the average, you know, there's a lot of people that are significantly older than that to, to you know, average out the 22- and 25-year-olds. Yeah, uh, lawyers, doctors, CPAs are all kind of in the same position. They've, they've, a lot of them have been fiercely independent and loved it that way, and that's they maybe started in a, in a big firm and then moved out to their own practice, and they've loved that autonomy and independence. But at the back end of that, uh, it, it's tough to realize value of a business unless you uh, roll up and merge in or else you bring in other partners and, and start building your own practice, and a lot of them don't have the appetite for that. So yeah, and, and you know what? Sorry, go ahead. No, I was going to uh, say, so gonna... you're, you're right in the middle of that trend. Yeah, and, and what's funny is that so many of those people are really good at what they do. I mean, attorneys, CPAs, wealth managers, people are dealing with people's monies every day. But the reality is it's they don't necessarily take care of their own succession plan. They're too worried about their clients, and they never actually look over their shoulder until it's almost too late. You know, it's like you know, a year from retirement, six months from retirement. They're like, oh, you know what, I think I should probably have to sell this thing because they didn't actually build an internal succession plan. It, it's a challenge. So would you advise those solo practitioners out there because since you've had so many merge into your firm would you advise them to start looking around at firms that are in acquisition mode in a growth mode um, earlier rather than later and start building relationships and start talking with firms uh, uh, and, and if so how off how soon before they they would plan to maybe make a merger I absolutely do. We we talk to firms all the time who are, who might be between, you know, 12 months and three years away from making a decision. They don't even know exactly what they're going to do, and it might not be with us. It might be with, you know, somebody else, or they might decide to do it internal. But when you when you get to that point where you're just, you know, one to three years out, you got to start looking for the firms that are like ours that are growing aggressively, looking for opportunities in the M&A market, and, and you've got to be having regular discussions. So there's a handful of firms that I'll have lunch with once every two to four months, uh, separately, obviously, and, and you know just sort of catch up and see how they're doing and see what their next phases are, see, how, see what their thought process has been over the last few months, and, and share ideas. What makes a desirable candidate for you? What, what do you look for, and what... Uh... What where where's there a good fit and where's something where you might say you're just not a good fit for us? Usually, the the better the fit is, uh, the, the more services they offer and the more sticky their clients are. I mean, if if they've been doing it a long time and they have very little client turnover, that's more attractive. If they've been doing it, you know, five years or two years, then their clients could turn over a lot more after the transaction, so that's a little bit more risky for us. Uh, so that's part of it. And then if they do something more than just a tax return, if they do some audited financials or some business consulting, those sorts of things, that makes it a lot more attractive as well. Okay. How important is it, and this is the last question I'll have on this topic, but how important is it for them to have systems that will integrate well with, with the systems, the software, the things that the billing pro, pro, uh, processes and the planning processes that you are already using? You know, a long time ago, you know, 11 years ago when we started this process, I thought it was really important. But now we've done so many where the systems aren't necessarily uh, perfectly aligned 
we are able now to adapt. And so, you know, the, the key for us is to plan for it. So if we're going to do an acquisition where they're using all different softwares, we just need to know about it ahead of time so that we can have 60 days of integration on our end before it becomes official so that we can put our IT and our marketing teams and our administrative teams together and say, look, here's what we have to do to get them into our system. Uh, and so for us, it's, it's, it's helpful, but it's not a, it's not a must have. That's interesting insight. So is that because the technology has gotten that much better as far as migrating information from one type of a system to another? It is, and it's also a function of us having done so many that we're able to we're able right. to integrate probably better than somebody else because we've done it with some systems that didn't. And then it's also because now, you know, five or six years ago, we didn't have all the specializations within our firm. Now, with the amount of people that we have, we have, you know, one and, one and three quarters IT people. We've got, you know, an outsourced IT firm. We've got, you know, HR and marketing. And so we can integrate a lot faster because we have all these specializations rather than, a partner trying to have to do all the integration. That's great. Well, it's, that's fantastic. You're on a great track there, the firm is, and congratulations on that. What are your clients doing now to prepare for a sale? A lot of your business owner clients, do you see them preparing, and it's, uh, and what are they doing? Yeah, they're doing a lot. They're, they're trying to, uh, one, shore up balance sheets and increase cash flow. I mean, they're trying to build so that, you know, businesses in the small business space tend to sell based on cash flow. And so they're trying to make sure that their cash flow is as strong as possible, whether that's increasing pricing a little bit, whether that's diversifying uh, their, their product offerings, selling more to current customers, all of those sorts of things. And at the same time, they're also documenting procedures and putting the right people in place. I think you're, the last person you had, our, you had on was related to some HR discussions, and, and they did a great job talking about the HR issues. And they are critical in a small business and, and making sure that they have the right people. Because when you sell your company, uh, if you're the most important person at the company, it's really hard to maximize value. But if you've got some key managers in, play, in, in strategic places, then it's a lot easier for a buyer to come in and say, you know, the owner's not as important because they have, you know, this person in charge of sales and this person in charge of uh, accounting and this person in charge of marketing. And so it, that makes it a lot, a lot more helpful. Yeah. And I think in our prior conversations, we talked a little bit about this too. And that is the, the, one of the key things that a company that's buying other companies is looking at is who, who's on your, uh, Who's on your balance sheet, not what's on your balance sheet. I mean, in other words, you know, what are the people and what are their specialties? How well known are they in their community and, and what kind of a difference are they going to make in the acquiring company? Yeah, absolutely, because especially today, uh, there's a war for talent right now. I mean, right. across m almost all industries. And, and part of that's coming out of the recession, you know, uh, you know, a few years back and the fact that people are now moving jobs. I mean, there's a war for talent for experienced people who've got, you know, the right skills to help jumpstart a company, to help continue to build a company, take it in a new direction. And those people are hard to find because, uh, you know, your best employees aren't looking for a job. Your best employees are really happy where they are. So you have to go hunt those people down. And so, you know, if you can find a company that has great employees and merge them in, it can really help solve some of your issues. And so it is who's on the balance sheet. That's a great point. Well, now, with that being said, how important is it once you have those key people to have some kind of a, a, a mechanism to show a buyer that that individual has been in some way engaged in the company or locked in through some type of a, a stock or phantom stock or uh, some type of a, a retention program? 
Yeah, I think it is critical. I think it's really, I think it's helpful, but I think it's even more helpful that when the buyer gets engaged that they show the this key employee right away that they're a critical part of the success of the future. And they can do that through, you know, bringing them into management decisions. They can do that through always getting their advice, letting them step up their uh, decision-making authority. They can do it through a phantom stock type thing. I'm a big fan of tying current uh, performance to some metrics and long-term metrics. So, you know, maybe there's a current bonus piece based on performance, and then there's a long-term piece for some of these key people based on, you know, a future exit, but they still have to be there when the exit happens. And so, you you know, sort of two-prong where they're they're not just waiting for 10 years from now, but they're getting something today, but they don't just, they can't just walk away without getting the full benefit, you know, 10 years from now. Yeah, it's a real balancing act. You really need to make sure they're they're well compensated now because they'll They'll leave if they're not, and if, uh, of course, they want to know that there's a, a stake in the outcome no matter what happens down the road, so it's a balancing act. Uh, now, uh, do you have a lot of clients that are actively trying to acquire other companies now? You know, I do. There, because the market, because there's so few, buy, you know, it, it, because there's so many boomers and so few that are looking to acquire in the in the small business space that we actually have made a little niche around that. I mean, people that are looking to grow their company through acquisitions uh, as the third leg of the stool of growth. And so there really are. It's become really a, I would say, since the start of 13, but has really turned on in the last 12 or 18 months. For people that are hungry for growth, their sales and marketing hasn't quite done as much as they want. So maybe they're growing three percent or five percent, but they're really they feel like their operations can handle a twenty percent growth in a year, and so they they can't quite get over that hump. And so instead of growing three to five or seven, they're going to go acquire somebody and, and grow fifteen, twenty, thirty percent in a year. And and uh, a lot of that can add significant to the bottom line because there's strategic savings when you own a company and you buy somebody else in the space. There could be some real strategic opportunities for cross-selling, for revenue growth, but also for expense savings. So when a client uh, comes to you as their CPA firm and says, we want to acquire this other company, how soon should, should they be getting you involved to really be looking at this other company and what they're all about? And what are some of the attractive traits, again, we talked about that earlier with you acquiring other CPA firms, but what are some of the attractive traits that you would look at for uh, purchasing a company and some of the things where it would be a no-go. So that's a big question, but <laughs> it is. I would say that it's. I would say it's never too early. So I would say get us involved when you're even thinking about it. Meaning, hey, I'm thinking that maybe we could use acquisitions or mergers as a way to grow, and you don't even maybe have a target at this point. We we advise on the strategy. What what is the right size? I mean, if you're doing three million in revenue, what's the right size for you to acquire? How much can your balance sheet absorb in debt to take on to to do this? Do you have the right operations? Can you actually physically, you know, absorb twenty or thirty or forty percent growth? I think so. The earlier, the better. Uh, getting getting somebody like us engaged, and then. If you've already found a target, getting us engaged as soon as possible because you want to make sure that we're helping with due diligence, with uh, analysis of the valuation, making sure that you get the right offer because the purchase price is only one of a many, many factors of an offer. And so there's so many other factors that go into the offer that you want to make sure you've thought about all those things. Um, and then what makes a company attractive or what makes them unattractive? I mean, unattractive to me is, is easier than attractive. Unattractive is 
the owner means everything to the company and they're working, you know, 70 hours a week year round and, and, and they all of a sudden want to retire and they don't want to be part of the company going forward. It's going to be hard to replace not just the work they put in, but also they, if they were that big a face of the company, that's going to be a challenge as well. Uh, and then another thing that makes a company really unattractive is if you've got 30% or more of your business with one specific customer. That becomes a real customer concentration issue, which, you know, it doesn't take much for a customer these days to switch. And if you if you lose 30% of your business right after you buy it, that's going to be really painful. Those are great points, great tips. You know, uh, I guess one of the things that I would comment there is that there are a ton of those businesses out there that the owner has not <clears throat> uh, decentralized management that much. They're getting older, and they may be uh, uh, able to be picked up for a song, but you do have to be careful on the back end of that you – if you know that you have provisions for an earnout or some type of a situation, some kind of uh, uh, you know get, take back or give back, if if uh, clients do leave. But on the other hand, you know one of the things that uh, that I would say to anybody listening is one of the benefits of working with a firm like yours that's growing, that's bringing in other clients, go to you first because within your client base there may be prospects for that particular business owner that's, that are looking, you know, certainly you're talking to people about all of their aspects of their, their financial lives. Uh, you may find that your CPA firm may be the best source to find a uh, business to buy. Absolutely. We've done that a few times over the years to be able to, you know, marriage make really, right? I mean, that's really what you're doing is you're saying, oh my gosh, we have this other client who's been talking to us about they're trying to find somebody. And we have this client now who all of a sudden has raised their hand saying they're looking to sell. And so we've done that a a few times over the years because it really is, it's a win-win. It's something where you already have, as as a CPA, you've already got comfort with both parties because you know that, that you've been dealing with them for a certain number of years. And so that can really help the transaction. And it, it's, you know, of course, your uh, your CPA firm is going to be happy because they've retained everybody. <laughs> so it's all, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, you know, w- w- going into this, uh, we, it's been it's been eight years since 2008, where a lot of business owners that were had a, a kind of a pent up demand. At that point, there were a lot of business owners ready for sale. Things were going well in 2007, and now they've kind of like lived through this this, uh, uh, you know. I don't know, getting back to square one and now maybe even growing some and things are looking good again. Would you would you tell or or suggest that business owners that are listening start getting ready, uh, even if it's a, a few years out, um, because they never know what might be a good environment or bad environment for mergers and acquisitions? Yes, absolutely. I think that's dead on. I think it, what I always tell people is, you know, there's business is like a a roller coaster, right? There's the ups and the downs, and you definitely are going to maximize your value if you're going on the up, not on the down. And so you're always better off selling a hair too early than a hair too late because the value difference is significant between that because people want to buy a business that's growing and doing better, not a business that's on the way down because they don't know where the bottom is. And so uh, you definitely want to prepare as you're coming back and growing rather than, you know, after 2018 or 19 or whenever the next recession is going to hit, you don't want to be selling right after that or during that process. That's great advice, John. Uh, as usual, uh, it's a lot of fun to talk with you. We, we get going and time goes by way too fast. Tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and get in touch with you and your firm. Sure, absolutely. Our website is LBA. 
lbahs.com. Uh, you can go to our website. You can email me at John Bly, B-L-Y, at lbahs.com, and you can follow me on uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, and uh, find me on Facebook as well. It's just a, a real joy to talk with you, and I, I learn a lot as we talk, and uh, our listeners, of course, do as well. So I would invite you to come back anytime, John. Thanks very much for joining us again today, and I look forward to the next time we speak. Thanks, Bill. Had a lot of fun. All right, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back with another guest, so please stay with us. You're listening to ExitCoachRadio.com, the information station for age 50-plus business owners, where we're interviewing top advisors for their best tips, ideas, and precautions so you can be well-planned. We upload new one-minute tips every day. ExitCoachRadio.com. Come listen for a minute. Business owners, if you came back from lunch and there was a resignation letter on your desk, which employee would you really, really not want it to be from? What are you doing to prevent this from happening? At Exit and Retirement Strategies, we design plans that attract, motivate, and retain key employees. For a free consultation, call Bill Black, the Exit Coach, at 866-370-3774. Call today. Thank you for listening to Exit Coach Radio. 